people welcome back to another esl podcast i'm your host as usual and as promised guys i told you that you would be listening to a very 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 big reading as well as a movie that i have on my phone so what i'm gonna do first is i have the reading that's gonna be coming from my macbook and then on my phone you're going to hear some of the little snippets from the big short which i have picked out so with that being said what this article is about it's called credit crunch it says and the title is whose fault is it anyways right and so what we're trying to figure out and a lot of people are trying to make sense of is the fact who can we point the finger to and even if we point the finger to them will america do anything about it? it's kind of like living here in thailand right Thailand, we had the worst pollution in possibly 20 years since the 1990s, right? And it is here right now. But who can we blame? We have to blame everyone who is sitting in their cars right now. That's number one. Number two, we cannot blame the weather. The weather is only exposing what's wrong with the city and what's wrong with the country. The nonstop burning of crops in the up countries, which of course, gets pumped into the atmosphere and everyone inhales these nasty different uh, uh, particles. So we could blame just about everyone. Of course, there are no regulations in this country. There are no laws in this country. That seems to always be the biggest problem. So guys, what I have here and what we're going to be doing is if you guys haven't checked out my Instagram, I found a very interesting story in the credits of the movie. Uh, and in the credits of the movie, the sentence was actually written uh, poorly. And so what I want to actually, and what I actually did, if, well, as a matter of fact, I did, because by the time you guys are listening to this, um, I have already posted it and I've corrected it because it's very interesting. I love seeing things like that. But nonetheless, guys, here we go. Let's do this reading. And then I got some snippets for you on my iPhone also. So with that being said, here we go. The credit crunch. Whose fault was it anyway? One. The causes of the global economic downturn in 2008 have been much debated. While experts and academics agree the downturn was the result of a credit crunch, the causes of this credit crunch are more contentious. Blame is often apportioned to commercial banks due to the large number of risky investments they had undertaken. However, this paper will argue that central banks, regulators, and governments were also to blame. It will begin by outlining the key events before and during the global economic downturn, and will then move on to an analysis of these key events to determine the major causes of the credit crunch and subsequent financial crisis. The Global Economic Downturn Key Events Two. By the mid-2000s, interest rates in the U.S. had risen to over 5% from just 1%. This had a particular impact on the subprime market, where millions of people with few or no savings had been persuaded to take out a mortgage. They struggled to afford the interest rate increase and began to default on their mortgage repayments. Mm. This impacted not only on subprime mortgage lenders, but also on the big banks, as they had previously bought up these debts from subprime banks. 
Such debts were considered to be low risk by large banks as they were bundled together from different parts of the country. The banks anticipated property markets rising and falling differently across regions so that falls and losses in one area would be offset by rises and gains in another. Ratings agencies, funded by the banks, also found these investments to be low risk. However, once customers started defaulting on their mortgages and banks began to withdraw mortgage products from the market, the credit crunch started to take hold. Customers previously able to obtain mortgages no longer could. The housing bubble, which had gone unchecked by government and regulators for years, eventually burst in 2006. The bundled subprime loans were now very much high-risk debts. Uh, here we go. Three. Don't worry. In April 2007, the first subprime bank went bankrupt. Three months later, the U.S. bank Bear Stearns, subsequently bought by J.P. Morgan, told investors that they would receive little or no return on their investment. These were the initial indicators that there was a potential credit crunch. By September, the rate at which banks lend money to each other was at its highest for almost 20 years. Commercial banks were clearly nervous about their own credit and the credit of others. For the rest of the year, banks and related organizations warned of and or declared subprime-related losses. On December 13th, in an unprecedented action, the U.S. government persuaded five banks to lend to other banks in a bid to increase credit levels. In the week preceding this, President Bush had already promised financial support to a million homeowners <laughs> struggling to keep their homes. Yeah, okay. Four. That's a lie. In 2008, the financial crisis became a reality, and the U.S. government tried to limit its effects. It reduced interest rates to 3.5% in January, set aside an allocation of $50 billion for credit-squeezed banks in April, and bailed out the U.S.'s largest lenders, Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae, owners of $5 trillion worth of wow. mortgage debts, in July. Yet... Despite these interventions, the fourth largest investment bank in the U.S. and a significant international bank, Lehman Brothers, filed for bankruptcy eight months later. This collapse of a major bank caused shockwaves throughout the industry and large losses in financial markets. The U.S. government only now created a $700 billion rescue plan that included purchasing bad debts from banks to prevent a collapse of the world's financial system. By the end of the year, interest rates had been lowered to just 0.25%, and another $600 billion had been injected into the economy to try to prevent a recession. Other governments around the world, in Europe and Asia, were taking similar steps to stimulate their economies. Five. It's crazy. The crisis continued into 2009. On June 1st, General Motors filed for administration. Chrysler had already done this four weeks prior, despite both organizations having had financial support the previous year. Over the next few weeks, General Motors reorganized, received financial support from the government, and was able to come out of bankruptcy, while many of Chrysler's assets were bought by fiat. On June 24th, the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development, 
OECD, announced that the world economy was in its worst recession since World War II. Great Depression. The U.S. government, as well as those in Japan and Europe, declared that their economies had shrunk over the last 12 months. Financial markets continued to suffer losses, and the effects reached other industries. 6. In July 2009, 10% of the biggest banks in the U.S. failed a stress test, showing they had still not put aside sufficient funds to absorb bad debts. In the previous month, President Obama had announced proposals for legislation to reform U.S. banks in an attempt to prevent the same situation happening again. These reforms, which had not been in place previously, included requiring banks to put aside more money to absorb losses, a greater regulation of mortgages and credit cards, and authority given to the Federal Reserve to inspect and monitor the major banks. But the problem is, the Federal Reserve, I'm sure, did not even do that. Because, of course, now there's, um, I forgot what the name is, uh, B-something uh, tranche, which is exactly what a CDO is. Now, we need to go deeper into this. You guys got all the surface level, but we need to figure out what exactly happened. And that's why I actually brought up this movie. And I'm going to let you listen to a couple of clips before I break it down because. Well, guess what, man? We have to understand exactly. That's all surface level. We all understand, okay, the collapse. Okay, Chrysler. Okay, J.P. Morgan bought out Bear Sturds. We got it. All these different things, the bailout, uh, fiat. It's amazing what had happened, but we need to go deeper. So here we go. You. Which is why you're here talking to us, wrong number. Sounds like there's a lot of interest. So here we go. Right. Basically, in this scene, okay, what we have, is uh what is it ryan gosling okay actor in america he's playing the role of a guy that oh my god that he meant something about this is all about mortgages okay within the homes and they're going to he's going to explain what the bubble is the cdos and everything and i will break it down in micro for you a few people have invited us in just to laugh at me on this deal is that you is that what this is that's not what this is that's just how mark is See what you got. I'm sorry. You smell that? What is that? What? What's that smell? The cologne? <laughs> no. And it's funny too. Opportunity. No. Money. Oh. Okay. <laughs> I smell money. Okay. Chris. It's so funny. Here we go. So basically, what he is showing, he's showing this tower. Okay. At the top, you have triple A. In the middle, double A, single A. Then it goes into triple B, double B and lower B, okay? And it's kind of like that, what is that, that jigsaw? It's, it's those little wooden things that you could actually put together and stack one by one and make it higher and higher and higher. It was one of those games that they had back in the 1990s. Oh my God, what's the name of it? Completely forgot, but let's keep going. This is your basic mortgage bond. Okay. All right, the originals were simple. They were just thousands of AAA mortgages bundled together guaranteed by the U.S. government. The modern ones are different. Now, remember what she said. Remember what she said on the audio. She said the housing bubble, which had gone unchecked by government and regulators for years, eventually burst in 2006. The bundled subprime loans were now very much high-risk debts. This is what he is explaining right now. 
They're private, and they're made up of layers of tranches. A tranche is a portion of something. The highest level AAA is getting paid first. The lowest rated B is getting paid last, taking on defaults first. Now, obviously, if you're buying Bs, you can make more money, but they're a little risky. Sometimes they fail. Bs are risky. Bs are at the bottom, but they're the foundation. AAAs are at the top. All right? Chris? So he takes out one. Somewhere along the line, these Bs and double Bs went from a little risky to dog shit. Where's the trash? So, <laughs> so basically, the Bs at the bottom, they went from risky to what he said, and I quote, dog shit. I'm talking rock bottom FICO scores. No income verification. Adjustable rates, dog shit. The default rates are already up from 1% to 4%, fellas. And if they rise to 8%, and they will, a lot of these triple Bs are going to zero, too. And now, remember what she said. By the mid-2000s, interest rates in the U.S. had risen to over 5% from, one, from just 1%. This is exactly what she said in the article, and this is what he is reiterating right now in this scene. You're too close. Is an opportunity. Okay. You're saying that at 8%, the bonds fail, and we are already at 4%? That's right. If they go to 8, it's Armageddon. Yeah, that's right. How come nobody's talking about this? You're completely sure of the math. Look at him. That's my quant. <laughs> what? My quantitative. My math specialist. Look at him. You notice anything different about him? Look at his face. That's pretty racist. Look at his eyes. I'll give you a hint. His name's Yang. So, you want so basically, this is a funny scene. He's saying, look at him, because, again, there are five Caucasian, one Italian-looking Caucasian in the room, and Yang is the only one that stands out. Obviously, Yang, that's derivative of China. So he said, look at him. Does he look, does he look different? And then the other guy said, that's pretty racist. <laughs> so, again, it's a, funny, it, it, it's a funny scene, but here, you're going to hear more math competition in China, he doesn't even speak English. Yeah, I'm sure of the math. Actually, my name's Jiang, and I do speak English. Jared likes to say I don't because he thinks it makes me seem more authentic. And I got second in that national math competition. So you're offering a... So basically, it's funny because the hidden meaning behind that then is he doesn't even speak English. He's my quantitative, meaning it's a guy that actually, you know, he works with numbers just like an accountant. He knows everything about extrapolating, meaning putting patterns together for the foreseeable future, what's about to come. There it is. Chance to short this pile of blocks. How? With something called a credit default swap. It's like insurance on the bond, and if it goes bust, you can make 10 to 1, even 20 to 1 return. And it's already slowly going bust. 10 to 1, 20 to 1. No way. And no one's paying attention. And that's the doubt. No one is paying attention because the banks are too busy getting paid obscene fees to sell these bonds. But wait, you are the bank. I mean, you work for the bank. I bet your margins are pretty nice and fat. Let's not talk about my margins, by the way. Being nice and fat. That's a nice shirt. Do they make it for men? Aren't you the bank? I work for the bank. I don't think like a bank. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. 
All right. Let me put it this way. I'm standing in front of a burning house and I'm offering you fire insurance on it. How can these underlying bonds be as bad as you say? It wouldn't be legal. <clears throat> Nobody knows what's in them. Nobody knows what's in the bonds. I've seen some that are 65% AAA rated that I know for a fact are filled with 95% subprime shit with FICOs below 550. Get the fuck out of here. You want me to really blow your mind? <laughs> when the market deems a bond too risky to buy, what do you think we do with it? Take a guess. I don't know, you tell me. All right. You think we just warehouse it on the books? No, we just repackage it with a bunch of other shit that didn't sell and put it into a CDO. A CDO. Yes, a CDO. Now remember you heard me mention what a CDO was very briefly and vaguely in the previous podcast. Now let's dive into what a CDO is. It's a collateralized debt obligation. What is that? What is that? This is where we take a bunch of Bs, double Bs, and triple Bs that haven't sold, and we put them in a pile. So basically, the ones at the bottom, the B, the double B, the triple B, he puts them into a pile. Now remember, these are risky, but then they go from risky to complete, of course, what he says, dog shit. So you can only imagine if you put together a single, double, and triple B in a pile, it becomes triple the dog shit. Am I right? When the pile gets large enough, the whole thing is suddenly considered diversified. And then the whores at the rating agency give it a 92, 93% AAA rating. And that's a lie. They give it a AAA rating saying, oh yeah, this is actually very good, buy it. But they're actually buying dog shit because all these subprime CDOs are within what would be deemed as a AAA rating, but it's actually a FICO score below 500. No questions asked. Say that again. A collateralized debt obligation. It's important to understand because it's what allowed a housing crisis to become a nationwide economic disaster. Here's world-famous chef Anthony Bourdain to explain. Now, rest in peace, Anthony Bourdain. He unfortunately had killed himself, I believe, two years ago. But here he is explaining what a CDO is, and then I will follow up with a more simplistic version of it. <laughs> okay, I'm a chef on a Sunday afternoon, setting the menu the big restaurant. I ordered my fish on Friday, which is the mortgage bond that Michael Ferry shorted. But some of the fresh fish doesn't sell. I don't know why, maybe it just came out. Halibut has the intelligence of a dolphin. So what am I going to do? Throw all this unsold fish, which is the triple B level of the bond, in the garbage and take the loss? No way. No way. Being the crafty and morally onerous chef that I am, whatever crappy levels of the bond I don't sell, I throw into a seafood stew. See, it's not old fish. It's a whole new thing. And the best part is they're eating three-day-old halibut. That is a CDO. That's a CDO. So basically, you get yourself a fish. The fish doesn't sell. He throws it into a pot of stew with everything else. And guess what? It, it, it makes it a whole new thing, which ultimately gets a triple A rating between 92 and 96%. But in fact, if they open it up and look at all of the subprimes that are within that triple A rating, it's three-day-old fish.
Well, I just no, need to know how these could possibly be collated. So somehow you're like the door of the explorer, and you're the first person who has found this thing. Hold on. So mortgage bonds are dog shit. CDOs are dog shit wrapped in cat shit. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Institutions treat these CDOs like they're as solid as treasury bonds, and they're going to zero. There was 500 billion in housing costs so last year alone. The ratings agencies, the banks, the fucking government. 500 billion. What did she say? She said something about. What did she say? It was something about 500 billion. 50 billion allocation credit squeeze banks in April. Uh, did she say anything that revolved around 500 billion? I don't believe so, but let me just continue with this scene. You're saying they're all asleep at the wheel? Yeah. My whole department's long on this stuff. They call me Chicken Little. <laughs> they call me Bubble Boy. A's, zero. <laughs> B's, zero. B's, Double zero. B's, zero. zero. Triple B's, zero. zero. Gone. What happens? And then that happens. And what is that? That's America's housing market. Boom. And in a nutshell, that's exactly what happened in America. Yes, we could go so far to go into what happened. You know, these CDOs, they were being traded amongst the Wall Street giants. And guess who ended up having all that garbage CDO, let's say dog shit and cat shit, on Wall Street? Bear Stearns, Lehman and Brothers. And guess what? They traded it throughout Europe too. So then, Spain and Greece, they followed suit and they had economic collapses also. So I'm going to hurry up and see if there's another valuable scene for you guys in here. And there is. There are these two real estate junkies that are in this particular scene. And Mark and his team goes to visit them, right? And they start asking questions to see who the hell are they selling these homes to? So here we go. Invest in uh, financial service companies, and we're trying to understand the residential mortgage business. How many loans do you write each month? <sighs> ah, about six. Yeah. What was it four years ago? A month. Ten, maybe fifteen. Yeah, I was a bartender. Now I own a boat. <laughs> you own a boat. So how how many of these are uh, adjustable rate mortgages? Well, most. Yeah. yeah, I'd say about ninety percent. The bonuses on those skyrocketed <sighs> a few years ago. Adjustables are bread and honey. So do applicants ever get rejected? <laughs> <laughs> and they laugh. They laugh. Do applicants ever get rejected? See, applicants should get rejected based on what their overall financial statement is, right? Not the income statement, but their financial assessment, everything, like their balance, their balance sheet. But again, this is the sad part of these two fools. <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> Look, if they get rejected, I suck at my job. Well, even if they have no money? Well, my, my firm offers uh, ninja loans. Okay. No income, no, no job. No, I just leave the income. No income, no job. He gives, his company gave ninja loans to these immigrants, which he's going to explain next. Section blank if I want. Corporate doesn't care. These people just want homes, you know, and they, they go with the flow. Good for you. Uh, your companies don't verify. If I write a loan on Friday afternoon, big bank is going to buy it by Monday lunch. Yeah, same here. See? 
And base and basically, these big banks ended up buying those horrible loans. See, this is all just a ripple effect. Hold on a second. And so, bomb that bomb. He takes his couple of guys in the other room, and they discuss some things. Why are they confessing? They're not confessing. They're bragging. Do people have any idea what they are buying? I focus on the immigrants, you know? Once they find out they're getting home, they sign where you tell them to sign. Don't ask questions. Don't understand the rates. Fucking idiots. Yeah. And you target immigrants, too. <laughs> their, their, their credit actually isn't bad enough for him. <laughs> Look, I'm a yield guy. Okay. I make 2000 on a fixed rate prime. Right? But I can make 10000 on a subprime adjustment. Trust me, I'm not driving a 7 Series without strippers. And that's exactly what he ended up talking about. And that last comment, he said, I'm not driving a 7 Series without strippers. Why? Because strippers, who are the women who dance on poles, are the ones who have, who fit the profile of the people that he signs away. See, the other guy focuses on immigrants, while this guy focuses on strippers. They have the worst credit in the world, but not only that, they're all cash rich, right? So this is exactly what happened. So again, I can show you a few more scenes and whatnot, but I think you guys get the overall picture of what happened. The collapse happened towards the end of the movie, which you guys could, of course, end up you know, going in. There are a couple of other scenes and, and a couple of, you know what, but I do want to show you this about Bear Stearns. And this is amazing. So check this out. And so there's a meeting. There's a meeting being held. And this is in regards to Bear Stearns. And Matt Baum actually goes there. And there's a little talk, three people on stage. You have all these investors who are watching this meeting. But while they're watching it, they're getting notifications that, Bear Stearns stocks are collapsing. From the beginning of when they started talking, five minutes prior to this, it fell probably over 40%. So here we go. Everyone, please give a generous welcome to Mr. Bruce Miller and Mark Baum. Mark Baum, not Matt. So as some of you may know, Bear Stearns has just received a loan from J.P. Morgan. Of course, we're going to have to wait and see how the markets react, but that should lay to rest any concerns about the bank's health. So I take it you have no plans to sell your $200 million in Bear stock? No, as a matter of fact, when we're done here, I'll probably go out and buy some more. For the opposing view, Mr. Baum. I got a stance for this. And so, Mark Baum, he begins to speak. 200 million he has in stocks. He got a loan from JP Morgan, as you've heard. Again, let me say this again from the little article. In April 2007, which is exactly when this scene started happening, uh, I think when this scene, give or, give or take probably a couple of months, the first subprime bank went bankrupt. 
Three months later, the U.S. bank Bear Stearns, subsequently bought by J.P. Morgan, told investors that they would receive little or no return on their investment. But why? Well, let's hear this. Okay, hi. My firm's thesis is pretty simple. Wall Street took a good idea, Louis Ranieri's mortgage bond, and turned it into an atomic bomb of fraud and stupidity that's on its way to decimating the world economy. How do you really feel? <laughs> I'm glad you still have a sense of humor. I wouldn't if I were you. Here we go. Now, anyone who knows me knows that I have no problem telling someone they're wrong. But for the first time in my life, so it went from 47 to 41 to 39. It's not so enjoyable. We live in an era of fraud in America, not just in banking, but in government, education, religion, food, even baseball. What bothers me isn't that fraud is not nice or that fraud is mean. It's that for 15,000 years, fraud and short-sighted thinking have never, ever worked. Not once. Jesus, we're at 37. When the hell did we forget all that? I thought we were better than this. I really did. And the fact that we're not doesn't make me feel all right and superior. It makes me feel sad. Every time I fucking hit refresh, it's dropping, man. It oh, always goes. And as fun as it is to watch pompous, dumb Wall Streeters be wildly wrong, and you are wrong, sir. I just know that at the end of the day, average people are going to be the ones that are going to have to pay for all of this. Because they always, 32? always do. 32. Yeah, that's fucking 32. 47 that's to 32. Thank you. Does our bull have a response? Only that in the entire history of Wall Street, no investment bank has ever failed unless caught in criminal activities. So, yes, I stand by my Bear Stearns optimism. Mr. Miller, I'm sorry, quick question. From the time you guys started talking, Bear Stearns stock has fallen more than 38%. Would you still buy more? Yeah, sure. Uh, of course I'd buy more. Why not? Boom. And that scene is so powerful. And the vibration went off just right there, and it went down to 29%. Honestly, Bear Stearns went on a biblical collapse in that specific scene 38 percent. he had 200 million 38 percent of 200 million i don't know what it is but i know it's just under 100 million let's say about 78 ish million maybe 38 percent uh yeah about 38 percent about 76 76 million i don't know i'm not very good at math nonetheless bear stearns went on a massive collapse and you know what the guy stood up and asked a question. He said, "Sir, your your you know your your stocks went down thirty eight percent since the moment you started you know since we began. Will you would you still buy stocks?" He's like, "Yeah, of course, I'll still buy stocks." And then Mark Baum went boom, and seventy eight percent of the room got up and left. 
because those are all investors, of course, who invest in Bear Stearns or who work for Bear Stearns. And because his stocks fell 38%, all those people stood up and realized, oh my God, I need to hurry up and swap like nothing in-house. We need to send all this garbage, all these subprime nasty tranches. We're talking the B, double B, triple B, A, double A, single A. They're all complete garbage by that specific moment. And so everyone stood up. And I remember at the end of that scene, there was a guy that was walking and he was getting ready to head straight into that stairway to go up. And he quickly glanced over his left shoulder and gave the, the, I forgot his name already, but that CEO of Bear, a grotesque look saying, you thieving, maniacal, win back telling them that all you give a damn about is your own money you don't care about your investors you don't care about the people who are investing in the clients nothing and just like that bear stearns went under so what could be taught about this podcast what do you guys know now this was literally that 2008 economic crisis and what 25 minutes you learned that in just 25 minutes well Unfortunately, in America, no one ever learns. And I hate to say this because a lot of Americans, yes, you guys listen to my podcast, but let's think about it. They came out with the same tranches. B-Stoke. Now I remember the name. The B-Stoke tranche is what they call it now. And they say it's such a marvelous opportunity. However, it's still the single B, double B, triple B, A, double A, giving them high ratings. They're doing the same thing that they did before. And now, hey, it's been 12 years since the economic collapse happened, and America is teetering on one of the biggest economic collapses in recent memory. And I can assure you that. In Thailand, they're getting hit in different areas, but we're talking more about the production department. We're not talking about, like, the financial sector of it. But all I can say is, if you have a job, you're teetering. This is why I tell people that jobs are no longer necessary in this world. You need to develop skill sets and you need to have a brand that targets the entire world. Because if you have a brand that targets only America and next thing you know, it goes into economic collapse, you too will go under. With that being said, guys, I hope you learned a lot from this. Any questions you have, let me know. And as always, I'm your host, as always, over and out.